What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to Experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 32 of The Fourth Wall. I'm, of course, your host, Griffin Schiller, and this is the show where we break down the fourth wall of the film industry as we get an inside look through our conversations with industry professionals ranging from directors, writers, actors, you name it. This show is, of course, part of the Playlist Podcast Network, where you can find the rest of our amazing show catalog. We're talking about shows like the Playlist Podcast, the Discourse, Be Real, so much more. Whatever your fix is, we definitely have you covered over there. Being able to make shameless creatures thrills explode off the screen takes a distinct eye and an unabashed imagination. Ever since Gareth Edwards roared into the monster genre with Godzilla back in 2014, every subsequent entry in Legendary's Monsterverse has felt like an effort to recapture that same magic. Luckily, by bringing in director Adam Wingard to helm Godzilla vs. Kong, the climax of the four-film Monsterverse so far, Legendary seems to have found the type of voice they needed in order to give us just as memorable a cinematic monster experience as we had seven years ago. And my guest today is none other than Adam Wingard, who is arguably one of the nicest guys uh, you'll ever come across. And we get into all the epic stuff going on, all the kaiju beatdowns, um, and what it was like for him to make that movie as a fan of the franchise um, and just someone who enjoys having a good time at the movies. Godzilla vs. Kong comes off the heels of Michael Doherty's Godzilla King of the Monsters and tasks Wingard with bringing these two iconic titans of cinema together on film for only the second time time ever, a responsibility as mammoth as the characters themselves. In the film, as Kong escorts an expedition of scientists to the Earth's core, they find themselves in Godzilla's warpath as he wreaks havoc on the Earth, instigating an epic clash between the two monsters. On paper, that definitely already sounds like a dose of cinematic adrenaline, but Wingard's vision is what really solidifies Godzilla vs. Kong as an unforgettable movie-going experience. If you aren't familiar with Adam Wingard, he made a name for himself and proved his ability to create visually innovative and impactful thrills in the horror genre, from his debut Homesick, all the way to Your Next and The Guest, two subversive and broadly acclaimed additions to the modern horror canon. Next up for Wingard after Godzilla vs. Kong is a sequel to John Woo's 90s action classic Face Off, showing Wingard to be a director unafraid of stretching his wings into different types of genre thrills. During my conversation with Adam Wingard, we of course geek out about the spectacle that is Godzilla vs. Kong, the impact seeing this movie on the largest screen possible has on not only the film, but him personally, the importance of bringing levity and pulp to Godzilla in the wake of COVID, why it was essential that the power duo of Nicolas Cage and John Travolta maybe make a possible return for his face-off sequel, 
and he clarifies the rumors surrounding the post credit scene for Godzilla vs. Kong. Again, I can't thank Warner Brothers enough for giving me the time with Adam Wingard. I have really enjoyed his work thus far, and if Godzilla vs. Kong is any indication as to what he's going to do with his future endeavors, I think we are, uh, we're in for some really entertaining cinema. So, enough from me. Without further ado, here is my conversation with director Adam Wingard. Well, hey, Adam, how's it going? It's going great. How are you? I am great, and I am so upset that I wasn't able to see this movie in IMAX on my first screening because <laughs> there, I mean, like, as you know, it's just like, this is just spectacle to, to the highest level. Um, I'm just kind of curious for you. I mean, obviously, you know, you work on the film, you get ingrained in the, in the you know, the, the specifics of everything. When you see a movie like this for the first time on a massive IMAX screen, I mean, are you even sort of like taken back by like the sheer spectacle of it? Of it? Oh my God. Yes. I mean, like I, I, I got a chance to watch um, all four different versions of IMAX uh, a couple weeks ago. And yeah. so I, I had the whole theater to myself and I was sitting there watching them back to back. And um, I, I got to say there, there's a moment in the movie uh, towards the end of the film where Godzilla is looking right into the camera and he kind of lowers down and he comes right into the camera, <laughs> very long shot. And when you're watching that in IMAX, especially IMAX 3D, it, 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 every single time that shot came up, I laughed my ass off really loud because it really, it feels like two scale Godzilla is sticking his head into the theater. It's really phenomenal. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's really like, a, it's, it's it's kind of an emotional experience for me as a director to be seeing a movie like this in the theaters. Like, um, you know, funny enough, it's like, uh, you know, there, there's certain scenes that always like kind of make me tear up, you know, but they're not the ones that you would think. They're not like the emotional scenes. It's like the moment which, you know, it, it, it's in some of the TV spots where you see Godzilla and, and King Kong roaring in each other's faces. It's like yes. every time, especially when the IMAX ones, but like every time I see it in the theater, um, it, it makes my eyes tear up. It's like, it's cause it, there's something so like, this is why I made this movie, this moment right here. And you know, it's just very gratifying. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm so ha- happy you, you brought up the roar moment because that was one that I just like, I knew you did that for the fans. Like that was like, you just the, the roar off and everything. I mean, even you down to just, have that. Yeah. yeah, you gotta have that. Well, and then, and then just even down to like the opening credits where it's like basically a, uh, like a, Oh gosh, what am I playing? like a bracket like a fighting bracket like there's just there's a self-awareness to this movie that i i think so many people are going to love because it's you know in, in a, a culmination sort of movie like this uh i feel like people they go in wanting to see godzilla and kong fight and they get that and they just you know and you sort of just revel in the greatness of that yeah absolutely i mean that's you know you, you can't do the godzilla story super serious very many times before you know that's just gonna be kind of like kind of tedious you know like yeah. at the end of the day this is godzilla and kong we're here to have fun we're here to watch them fight you know it's been a rough year you know like let's just cut loose and just let these monsters do the fighting for us at this point you know we've been fighting each other long enough and yeah and I, i'm glad you mentioned that bracket thing and the the title sequence it's like i was really thinking about like street fighter 2 you know the arcade <laughs> yeah. you know version where you know it's like you, you get to see wh- what country they're from and the faces and you know, yeah yeah the map you know all that stuff 
Yeah, that was oh, that that was that was an absolute blast. Um, but I think there's something interesting about this film because you're bringing together two characters that that have such a deep history and they're often sort of like intrinsically uh, connected throughout the decades. Um, and obviously you want to honor longtime fans, but you want to give something that satisfies newcomers as well that have really just been on board for the past seven years. So what was the challenge uh, for you in in delivering a product that uh, you know did that? Yeah, no, I mean, it's like, you know, for me, first and foremost, like, you know, we're making like, you know, uh, we're, we're kind of taking two of the biggest icons of all time and we're putting them in a movie together and this has only happened once. And so there's a lot of, you know, um, expectation and legacy that you're really hanging on to. So like, first and foremost, that's, you know, very serious. And then the second thing is, this is the MonsterVerse version, you know? So I wanted to make sure that like, you know, we, we, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to actually make a Godzilla and Kong movie that has a buildup to it. You know, like I, I actually specifically didn't change any of Godzilla's features from the last movie. I didn't update him really other than like, we gave him new stuff that you see him do, but like, I didn't want to change him physically um, even though I was tempted to, um, just to put my spin on it, like, because I wanted this to feel like the legitimate, like monster verse version. I didn't want this feel, to feel like a new Godzilla. I wanted this to feel like one that we've seen, you know, and, and this is just an older Kong, but he's the same character as we saw in Skull Island. And, you know, so, you know, it's just one of those things where we got one shot at this. And who knows if this will ever happen again, or if it's going to be, you know, uh, another lifetime before it happens. So we got to get it right. And, you know, these are the two biggest icons in monster history. And it's like, this has to be the biggest monster film ever if we're going to do that. So, you know, I, I lucked out being in the right place at the right time to be able to make this film. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Well, and and I'm kind of curious. I mean, obviously, you, you wanted to keep in line. But if you if you could have gone back and like adjusted the characters or the designs in some uh, way, what are what are like some of the things that maybe you would have added on um, regardless of like what films have come before? Well, I, I like that um, I like that Doherty uh, updated the fins from the 2014 to the classic maple leaf design. I probably would have wanted to do that. Um, I was definitely like, you know, there. I've been back and forth because I, I do think like like most people that Godzilla's head looks a little small, you know, like, um, <laughs> yeah. you know. Uh, but at the end of the day, that's the character that he is. And, I, you know, if I was going to just like do the character from scratch, I would have probably made him look exactly like the um, 1984 Godzilla or whatever year that was, mm, the, the okay. 80s one, because that that to me, like as a kid. He, that that version of Godzilla always defined what Godzilla looked like to me. He's the classic Godzilla. And so I would have loved to have seen a fully realized, you know, expensive CGI asset version of, of that. Yeah. Godzilla. Yeah. Um, I don't know that it would have held up in the same way, you know, because there's a real like believability in the way that Gareth Edwards created the monster verse Godzilla. Like I, I believe that those big hips and big legs could, you know, uh, could carry his weight. You know, he, he is a cool design. Um, but yeah, I guess if, 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 if everything was just off the table and I was having to create it from scratch, I'd really try to make him look just like the, you know, the eighties Godzilla. Mm, yeah, for sure. Now, do you obviously? I'm. I don't want to get into like spoilers or anything here. But do you lean just in general, taking your you know what happens in the movie out of it? Do you lean more towards Godzilla or or Kong? Just like personal preferences and like relationship with the films. 
Well, you know, I shouldn't say because I think that people just read into that. They're ready for me. Okay. To, like, yeah. say something that they can read into and, you know, like um, ask me again in uh, three weeks, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Right. <laughs> well, and, and that was one of the things just like um, I, I know you probably can't say too much, but just without discussing the victor, like explicitly, you, you have said that this that you are going to give us a definitive winner and we definitely get that. Uh, but I'm kind of curious what factors you wanted to take into when you were deciding that. Um, and then like ultimately where we end up, how, how did you know that that was the right uh, sort of decision to make? Obviously as spoiler free as you can possibly say. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, for me, like I, I just like everybody else, I, I have a definitive idea of who I think would win. And I've, I've felt the same way since I was uh, a kid. Mm. And so when, whenever I was even in talks with legendary, I was, like i know exactly you know how i'm gonna take this i know who i think should win i know how how it's gonna go down and weirdly enough you would think with a movie called godzilla versus kong that that would actually be the most challenging aspect of figuring the movie out but it was honestly the easiest and one of the um things that just never changed at all Mm -hmm. during you know any of the scripts um you know that was just never in question it was like we just it always worked pretty well, you know, there was like slight differences of how it went down, but that aspect of it to it remained pretty consistent. Yeah, for sure. All, all I'll say is I agree with you. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I kind of want to uh, shift away into just sort of like upcoming projects a little bit. So similar to Godzilla versus Kong, you know, you're going to be exploring two other, I guess, monsters, if you will, who have reached cult status with, you know, Nick Cage and John Travolta in a face-off sequel. Um, and I'm kind of curious, similar to like what you're doing with Kong here, like how do you create something that's you know new but it's it's treat it's treating the the property with respect for like the fans that have loved this for so long and and like really a movie that has become such an icon and a staple of of, of not only the 90s but just action cinema in general yeah well face off is one of my favorite films of all time i mean like it's it's one of those reference movies that i've always used when like i'm working on a film and if 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 i'm introducing a dp to this type of action that I want to shoot or slow motion stuff. I've always shown them face off if they haven't mm. seen it before. Um, we kind of bonded initially um, over uh, John Woo movies. That was like our very first discussion we had. We, we talked about the killer and, and hard boiled and face off. And so um, it's kind of funny that it's kind of come full circle to this and uh, yeah. we're, we're actually just in the kind of, we're about to turn in our first draft really soon. Um, but we're, we're super thrilled. I mean, like it's, uh, uh, it, it's hard to talk about it too much without giving anything away. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think what, what, what we ended up doing is that, you know, cause we spent, we spent a good year basically developing this thing, um, before we even really started writing it for a variety of reasons, but um you know for me it was just a matter of like getting into those characters and really understanding who those characters are and 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 figuring out like okay we're not just trying to like squeak out a sequel for no reason it's like where would characters actually go and how do we make this a legitimate sequel and to be honest with you some of that's born out of you know our Blair Witch movie which I think like ultimately we felt like 
you know, like we, we originally wanted to get Heather Donahue in it. And, and at the last minute, it turned out that she had zero interest in coming back and ever being associated with Blair Witch again. Mm. So we always felt like we kind of like, you know, like it, it never felt totally like a real sequel and, and people didn't really accept it as a sequel. And I think that was a big lesson for us. And so when we came into Face Off, you know, we said, look, I mean, like the only way that we're going to do this really is if, you know, if, if we get, you know, the original cast, I'm not going to say yeah. how that works or anything, but like, it's got to be 100% a real follow-up, not just like some fan service movie, not just some like cash in thing. This has to feel like the ultimate follow-up to the original film. So. Yeah. Well, and I wonder if it also just sort of benefits from the fact that you've like your entire career, what well, your entire life really have lived with these characters and you know them inside oh. and out. Um, and you can like bring in your interpretation of that to the big screen while still like feeling in line with that original movie. Yeah, no, I mean, it's like, you know, you have to sometimes separate yourself from the fan and, you know, and from the creator. And in, in this one, it was like, you know, it, it was an interesting process going through that and, you know, not just saying like what would be cool, you know, if they did this or that, but like actually working through it and then going back through the draft and saying, you know what, he wouldn't say this. I, you know, I was watching the original film again the other day and he, this is not the way he would do that. You know what I mean? It's stuff yeah. like that. It's, it's really fun to do though. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I have to imagine just like being a fan that is like the, the greatest sort of like opportunity. It's the opportunity of a lifetime, really. It is absolutely. Yeah. You know. um, I, I did have another question about uh, Kong because I had heard uh, early on, I think from some test screens or something, that there was a there was a post credit scene in this movie. But when I watched uh, the screener, there was not. Um, and I'm so I'm curious for did did you shoot a post credit scene? Is that something that we might get in the proper uh, release of the movie or no? I'd read online that like all these like I, I read one website for a while. I can't remember which one it was, but they kept saying like after our disastrous test screening, we switched gears. It's like, we never had a disastrous test screening. We actually only had one test screening and it was in March or at the end of February, right before COVID hit. Okay. And uh, and we never had a, a post-credit scene in it at all. So like, it's funny how like some of these things like, yeah, you know, uh, pop up like that because if we'd had a disastrous test screening, um, you know, I'm sure it would have really affected the movie, but our test screening was like amazing. It was like one of the best I've ever had. And uh, it really put, luckily we got it in right before uh, COVID shut everything down and we were able to um, take that and be like, okay, we know this thing is playing for an audience and we're not even done with all the special effects and or the mm -hmm. movie or anything. We don't even have the score in this thing and it's already playing really well. And that just gave us a peace of mind that as we were finishing the movie we couldn't really even do another test screening um you know but i i will say like at one we did actually shoot a um a post-credit scene but we actually ended up using that footage instead in the movie so we never actually cut oh. it in as a post-credit sequence um uh so the i won't say where the footage is but it it, it is in the movie uh it's just was never actually uh cut in as a post-credit scene it's at the very very end of the movie so uh the last scene in the film uh was originally going to be a post-cred scene but it was um it was it was a, a different context it was a different scene but we used the same footage uh and we turned it into something different so amazing well thank you so much thank you for answering that last question i really appreciate it and i appreciate your time wish you all the best with the film i had an absolute blast with it all right thanks man see you yeah. <laughs>
Well, there you have it. That was my conversation with Adam Wingard. Again, I I can't thank him enough for, uh, you know, clarifying some of that stuff there and for giving as much information as he did on the projects that he's working on. Uh, Really such a pleasure to talk with him, and uh, I'm very much looking forward to his face-off sequel. I think he's going to approach it with the the reverence and respect that you would hope um, he would. And also, if it means that uh, Nicolas Cage and John Travolta are going to be back on board, uh, I'm, I'm... so in. But the most important thing is Godzilla vs. Kong hits theaters and HBO Max on March 31st, and if you are able to see this thing in IMAX, seriously, do yourself a favor and go see it in IMAX, because it's it's made for that. That's exactly the kind of movie uh, that you should be seeing um, on the screen that big. As always, be sure to subscribe to the Playlist Podcast Network on your podcatcher of choice so you don't miss out on more episodes of The Fourth Wall and the rest of our movie and television-centric shows we have over there. Seriously, we got it all. So whatever your fix is, we, we definitely have you covered. And if you want to go that extra step and really make us happy, it would be amazing if you left us a rating and a review because it greatly helps the show out. It allows us to know what you're loving and what you want to see more of. And lastly, if you like me specifically and you like what I have to say, you can give me a follow on Twitter at Griff Schiller. All right, that's going to do it for this interview, guys, and I will catch you next time. Take care.